three. You're listening to Sports Talk Chicago with your host, John Zaglul. John, I am fantastic. Thank you for having me. You got an awesome voice, man, and that was a terrific <laughs> intro. You're like a pro's pro. You know, that was the first time somebody ever said that, John. No, you're the first person to ever say anything like that. That's, that's very interesting. You got it, John. Anything for a fellow Chicago guy? <laughs> well, what a great question. That's a great question. Nobody's actually asked me that. <laughs> I like it. What a great question. I never heard that before. Chase, wait, wait, Chase Sully is what? You're saying he's not a Hall of Fame candidate? You know, it's it's funny. I, I, You may be the only person that I've heard make that connection. Thank you, John, for having me. I'm doing great. By the way, you have an outstanding voice. I'm not sure about your face because I haven't met you, but your voice is great. You're doing a much better job than I ever did. You've had some heavy hitters uh, guests on too, man, so keep up the good work, but it's good to be with you, and I'm ready to talk sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to Sports on Chicago. My name's John Zaglou, great to have you here. Today's edition of the program, the Bears are active in free agency, but Larry Ogunjobi will not be a part of the team. We'll explain in just a moment. Plus, a brand new interview today with Scott Barkin, the White Sox beat writer for MLB.com. We talk with him all things White Sox, including how close they might be to a World Series championship. It's a great interview. Comes your way near the midway point of this show. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook, John Zagluam. You can watch more of this show. Search up Sports Talk Chicago, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, SportsTalkChicago.com. I want to start today with this. Always remember to do your due diligence. Sometimes complications arise, issues occur. You have to make sure you know what you're getting into. Can't just sign on to something, say, okay, what are we doing now? No. You have to make sure you do background, you understand the scope of the situation, or you just go all in. That's a life lesson has to do with signing contracts, getting new jobs, or, in the Bears' case, signing somebody who obviously had an injury. Larry Ogunjobi failed his physical, and as a result, the Bears will not be signing him. He is now a free agent again. Now, there are two ways to look at this right off the bat. Obviously, number one, very sad for Ogunjobi. He was about to get life-changing money. Didn't work out, and now, if he failed the Bears' physical, chances are he might fail other teams' physicals, obviously. Number two, and more importantly, the Bears almost signed somebody who was clearly hurt. I mean, obviously, it's a great thing that they didn't do it and waste their money, but you have to wonder, why was this not known or detected before? Why'd Brian Poles go through with this transaction all the way through until, oh, he failed his physical? Everybody knew he broke his foot in the playoffs. This was not a secret by any stretch. Why'd you wait all the way until now to realize, oh crap, maybe we shouldn't do that? Really a head scratcher. And although I am happy the Bears didn't waste their money, credit to Poles, and really the Bears' athletic training staff for giving them the physical and understanding, you know what, probably not going to work. But it doesn't make sense to me. That's why you offer him the contract. It's essentially signed. And then, oh, wait a minute. Your physical doesn't check out. So really, I want to credit the Bears' Training staff. If it wasn't for the Bears training staff, this would have been a huge mistake by Ryan Pauls. 
He has somebody else cleaning up his mess, and that's fine. This is all a hypothetical. It didn't happen. doesn't matter. This is not a critique of Brian Foles. But I would hope that the next person he signs, other players in the future, the draft especially, he knows what he's doing here. And he understands how to look up medical records for players. And it should be a common sense thing. Everybody's injury history is relatively well known. All over the place, news articles, other teams. This is not some new aberration like, oh, wow, we didn't know he was hurt. Everybody knew. Got hurt in the playoffs in front of the national stage, not just some 3-13 and team that didn't make the playoffs. Cincinnati was in the playoffs when he got hurt. Everybody saw it. Everybody knew. Broke his foot. You would think, well, this could be a problem off the bat before you even offer him a contract. Rookie mistake for the rookie GM. And I've been relatively happy with how he's done, no question. But this is almost unacceptable. And I'm not going to sit here and praise Ryan Poles for not signing him. If it wasn't for his training staff, he would have signed him. He was about to. He's the one who offered him the contract, even though he knew he had a broken foot. That is scary. Everybody makes mistakes. We knew Ryan Poles. Whomever the Bears hired was not going to be perfect. But this is the definition of a rookie mistake. And hopefully he learns from it. That's why when I have guests on, especially, I ask them, is it going to be a problem that he has no experience? Resounding answers are no. And maybe it makes sense. Sure, you know, he's been around in Kansas City Chiefs front office for years. But you know what? This was a rookie mistake. This one's obvious. Offer him a contract, three-year deal, $30 million, or whatever it was. And then this happens. You know, it's really scary to me. If you couldn't spot this one, and this is pretty obvious, broken foot in the playoffs, wonder how he's going to do in the draft. And look, Ryan Pace drafted Kevin White. That was a total bust. Why? Because of injuries, mostly. I would really hope Ryan Poles doesn't do the same thing. But this whole situation does not comfort me. Shouldn't comfort you either. You have to do more due diligence, especially if you're a GM looking for somebody to replace Khalil Mack and play defense for you. This is a lesson. You cannot just go after the hot name or the budget signing only. You have to look at all aspects of it. Although I like the idea of budgeting and rebuilding. That doesn't mean you sign people who literally can't play or aren't healthy. This was a rookie mistake by Ryan Poles, and I would hope he doesn't do it again. If he does this in the draft, well, that's going to be a huge problem for the Bears moving forward. Look at Kevin White. I mean, look at the Bears' past. Chris Williams, another offensive lineman. There have been a number of times in which they've drafted somebody high first round who's just gotten hurt and hasn't played and has turned into a bust. I would hope Ryan Poles learns not only from his predecessors but from this signing and this entire situation and understands, okay, when we draft somebody, we really have to scour their injury history. Are they healthy? Could there be any problems arising in the future? Gotta find a way to evaluate this stuff before you go around offering 30 plus million dollars to people who can't play.
The Bears did find a replacement, though, for Ogunjobi. Justin Jones, defensive lineman, two-year deal. Jones, formerly of the Chargers, ironically enough, had an all-right year last year, started in 11 games, played in 11 games, three sacks, 37 tackles. So a lot of people on Twitter saying, oh, what a great move, praising it. This is nothing. This is nothing special. I mean, 37 tackles, three sacks, 11 games, fine. This is a middle-of-the-pack linebacker or defensive lineman, and that's pretty much it. There's nothing more to say other than that on this. And that's fine. Again, the Bears are trying to rebuild this. It's a budget signing, a replacement for Ogan Joby. Why not take, right? There's not much more to say about it. This is not going to be some huge, big-time signing. This is not a blockbuster move. This is some random player from the Chargers who had a decent year last year. That's it. Three sacks, 11 games? Okay, who cares? He's a body on the field at this point. I hate to put it that way, but that's the truth based on numbers. Even his own career. I mean, half a sack his rookie year, none in 2019, then one, then three. Has 118 total tackles in his career in 51 games, 35 starts. This is a journeyman. This is nothing special. It's a budget move. It's a two-year deal, which means, again, at the end of two years, he's going to be gone. The Bears hopefully will finish their rebuild, and they'll have somebody who actually has talent, who's actually really, really good, take over that spot. But until then, this is just a replacement and nothing more. And we're active on the free agent market for wide receivers, though. Byron Pringle was signed yesterday. Pringle, in his third year at Kansas City, 568 receiving yards, five touchdowns. Interesting move. 13 and a half yards per catch. Not bad. Pringle is probably going to be the number three or number four wide receiver on this team, and again, that's fine. The problem is the Bears never went after somebody big. I get it. You're rebuilding. But the last time I checked, you're supposed to rebuild around Justin Fields. I hate to be this guy, but it's just true. What does Pringle really bring to the table? I get it. He's improved every year, and last year was his career season, but if your career season is 500 receiving yards, being the number three or number four in Kansas City, how is that going to help Justin Fields? It's fine to give the kid a chance, see how he does, see how he fits in the system, but if your goal is to develop Justin Fields and put weapons, real weapons around him, this does not fit that mold at all. And I would have rather kept Allen Robinson at this point, who, by the way, went to Los Angeles. Goes to the Rams for a big deal. Good for him. Everybody might say good riddance at this point for his performance last year, but really good for him. Robinson goes to a real contender, Super Bowl champion, plays with Matthew Stafford. He will get targets. He will get receptions. He'll get looks. You got Cooper Cup there who's going to draw most of the attention. Allen Robinson will have 1,000 yards next year. No question. Probably... 80, 90 catches, too. Great move for him in his career, and more importantly, for a ring. said that last week, and I talked about Robinson and the Bears officially cutting ties. He needs a ring. He has wasted his career being in Jacksonville and Chicago, nowhere near a Super Bowl. Now he gets his chance. I wish him nothing but the best. He's going to do great out there. There's no other way to put it. When you're teaming up with Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup, Robert Woods is supposedly a trade target. If they keep him, there's something. They re-sign Odell Beckham if he's going to be healthy. No matter what, Allen Robinson will get targets. 
He right now is the number two. Really, even a 1A, 1B type situation with Cooper Cup. There's nothing more you could ask for. Plays in warmer weather. On a real contender trying to defend their Super Bowl. That's probably the best situation you could think of. If you're Allen Robinson, you leave this place for that. I mean, my gosh, good for him. Would have been nice if the Bears kept him around. Obviously, though, they didn't want to pay. I understand it. But I will say this. We're sitting here talking about rebuilding and catering to Justin Fields. It doesn't look like they're doing that right now. I'm sorry, but I don't see it. I don't see how Byron Pringle and Aquamia St. Brown are going to do that. St. Brown signed from the Packers. Just to give you an idea, St. Brown had nine catches for 98 yards last year. I mean, really? Come on. I don't care if he knows Luke Getze, played in his offense. He wasn't a big part of the offense there. So even if he knows Luke Getze, does it matter? He's in Green Bay for three years, did nothing. I would have stayed in Green Bay at this point, would have gotten more chances knowing Devonta Adams is gone. I want to give Paul's time, as I've said a number of times on this program, but some of these signings and the way things have gone only in the past 24 hours have me scratching my head. You completely botch the whole Ogan Joby situation, and if it wasn't for your trainers who bailed you out, you would have looked like an idiot. You signed two wide receivers who supposedly will bolster the wide receiving core, but really are nothing. They're fours or fives on any other team. And you signed the replacement for Ogan Joby and some random player. A guy who has three sacks, and that's a career high in a season. I hope they all do well. I hope they all prove me wrong. Let's be real here. This is not even a Mitch Trubisky or Justin Fields argument. There is no production, period, out of any of these guys. Pringle has the best chance to do something here. Maybe. It just doesn't make sense when you say, I'm building around Justin Fields. I want Justin Fields to be successful. I want a team around Justin Fields. He needs weapons, keyword, weapons. And these are the players you're paying for. Just don't get it. I mean, this is pathetic. I, I hate to say it. It's true. It's pathetic. St. Brown is 98 yards last year. That's it. Nine catches. Pringle, okay, 568. Great. It could be a good number three, number four. Anybody who the Bears draft will automatically be better than those two, though. Anybody who the Bears draft is better than those two, no matter what. That means Darnell Mooney's going to be your number one. And these two, and what, who else? Daz Newsom, maybe? I understand they're going through a rebuild. But I'll say this, too. If you think Justin Fields will show any improvement with that wide receiving core, you're wrong. And if we're talking about seeing if Fields could improve, wondering if he's really the right quarterback for this team, building around him, none of these moves signify any of that. These are beyond low-budget moves. If you're rebuilding, that's fine. But the rebuild is supposed to be about Justin Fields. 
This isn't a random rebuild. The rebuild is to cater to Justin Fields. He's our quarterback. We're going to make sure he has good talent around him. I don't know. Based on what I'm seeing here, there isn't much talent to go around. What I hate even more is that people are justifying these moves and praising them. Okay, the Bears signed the Chiefs' number three or number four wide receiver. They signed their number five wide receiver from Green Bay. Who cares? Okay? <laughs> you cannot sit here and tell me these are great ideas or great moves or, hey, they're going to help with the rebuild. The rebuild's around Justin Fields. The rebuild is focused on Justin Fields. If that's the case, why are you signing the number four and number five receivers for other teams and then telling me, hey, it's a great move, helps out Justin Fields? Justin Fields cannot complete any passes to any of these people. And the whole problem last year, part of it was wide receivers. He needs weapons. We've talked about this for years on the program now. He needs weapons. These are not weapons. These are journeymen. I would hope in the draft, something comes through, maybe the Bears trade up, they do something, because right now, as it stands for this roster, not looking too good. It'd be different if they were rebuilding fully, but they're not. They're doing this on purpose for Justin Fields' sake. They claim they're helping him out, but really, I don't see any help here. I see more burdens than help. Like that friend who tells you, hey, I'm going to help you out doing something, then they do the job worse, and you have to clean up after their mess, then do the job itself again. That's what this is. Justin Fields is way better than whomever these guys are. He's going to have to clean up after their mess on the offense. Well, just have to wait and see what the Bears do. I'm happy they did not sign Ogan Joby, but this entire situation does not reflect well on Ryan Pauls, no matter what, even with Ogan Joby. He offered him the contract. He paid him the money. The money was sitting right there, the contract right there, three years. It was only because the athletic training staff found a problem. That's why it was voided. Ryan Poles did not do enough research, or I guess looking into the whole foot injury and whether or not he'd be okay before offering him the deal. It may not matter when it comes to free agency, but it sure as hell matters if that's the mindset and then you're drafting people. Because Ryan Pace made that same mistake first year. First pick he ever had, Kevin White. So when you trust somebody like Ryan Pulse to draft people, and yet he can't even get a physical right for an NFL player who we all knew was hurt, that is something you have to be scared about, too. More to come here on Sports Talk Chicago. My interview with Scott Market comes up next, so stay tuned. Chicago. Here with Johnson Glorland, we are back and ready for today's special guest. He's the White Sox beat writer for MLB.com and a BBWA member. Please welcome Scott Merkin to the program. Scott, happy birthday. How are you? Thanks, John. I appreciate it. How you doing? Good. I'm doing great. Thanks for being here. Any special plans for your day today? Uh, no. You know, in the past, uh, when I've had, I had today off. So in the past, when I've had a couple of days off here in Arizona, I've gone to visit friends in Las Vegas, but 
you get a little older and you know you take you take the days off and just sleep and catch up on bills and try to get ahead for work for the rest of the week. That's it's sad, but that's the case. <laughs> Maybe a couple dinners this weekend or something like that, you know. Well, I appreciate you spending such a special day with me. I mean, that that has to mean something there, right? On your off day sure. and your birthday coming on this that, program. That was the that was the whole setup was just uh, it was the day was built around appearing on your show. How does it feel to be back in Arizona covering spring training? I mean, you know, I've been out here for a little bit now. I came out here on like the beginning of March thinking that, you know, there was going to be a settlement on that first day, you know, March 1st went a little bit longer. So, you know, I got a good look at the minor league side and there's some interesting players down there too. And uh, it's great. It's great to be back. You know, the Sox had a, because there's 15 teams out here, 15 teams in Florida too, there's going to be one team that has a day off obviously when they play. And that was the Sox today. And when we're taping this and, um, you know, they, it was good to see Cactus League action back yesterday. For a while, I think we thought that wasn't going to happen, but they were back in action. And uh, it's great to see baseball and more, more to come. You know, they have a lot of games in a, in a short time. I think they only have one scheduled day off before they travel on the 6th to Detroit for the opener on the 8th. What's your evaluation of their free agent approach and what they've done this offseason? You know, that's a, that's a lot of debate. That's a lot of debate because I think people are not thrilled Fans in general, I don't want to say are not thrilled, but they feel like, you know, there's a lot of bullpen money tied up down there. Obviously, they, you know, they took it, not tied up, but used down there. They, you know, uh, exercised the option on Kimbrough for $16 million. They brought Graveman in, I believe it's 324, and Kelly's 214, I want to say, off the top of my head. They also brought Vince Velasquez in there. So, you know, I think that's how you win championships. You know, you got to hit. The Sox did not hit for much power or extra base power in that series against Houston in the, uh, was it four game loss? And, you know, I get that, but I think that's going to be taken care of by guys just staying healthy. And you can never guarantee that obviously, but that's just going to be helped by Luis Robert not missing three months. Aloy Jimenez not starting his season on July 26th. Yes. Monty Grandal was hurt really from the beginning of the year and then suffered another injury on top of that, you know, later in this one hurt his right knee in spring training had to have surgery on his left knee in season. Michael Kopech was out with, you know, an injury. I mean, they, they went through a lot and still won 93 games. Now, a lot of teams go through a lot. You know, there's no, I mean, the, the World Series champion lost maybe the best player in the National League, right? Or one of the best players and still won the title. So not an excuse, but I'm saying that, you know, it, just like the Braves are going to be better with Ronald Acuna, the Sox will be better with healthy guys. But, you know, I like the addition of Josh Harrison. I think people really want a right fielder. And I was talking to a friend of mine about this today in the sense that I'm not sure if this is a shot at, Andrew Vaughn or Gavin Sheets or Adam Engel, but more so they want a, a consistent right fielder. They feel like that it's been kind of a revolving, revolving door for a while out there that hasn't worked. You know, they tried Nomar Mazzara a few years ago. The name I keep hearing from fans, although I haven't heard a ton of connection to the Sox, I haven't heard a ton about him, period, right now is Michael Conforto. And obviously a very good player. But the thing you got to figure out is Rick Hahn made this point the other day without mentioning any names, obviously. He said, you always feel like there's one more move to make. But the question is, sort of paraphrasing, is it one move too many? You know, are you making a move just to make a move? Or are you making a move to, you know, make seem decidedly better? And I don't want to put all this pressure on whoever they, if they do add someone, whether it's Conforto or someone else. But I don't think that person is responsible for them winning the title. But I think you want to spend money as in, this is the piece that makes you a World Series championship true contender, as opposed to a clear-cut favorite in the AL Central who may win the championship. 
is that Conforto? Well, we'll find out. We'll find out if the Sox are even in the mix or if he goes somewhere else. If he does go somewhere else and they don't add anyone else, I think they have some good options. I think, you know, Vaughn and Sheets, you know, to say they can't do something, they can't do right field, they can't play right field, they can't be right field on a championship team is it, kind of silly to me because we don't know that. I mean, if you're judging Gavin Sheets on the handful of games he played last year, that makes no sense to me. So, you know, I, I think you got to give, as Rick has also said, you got to give these young guys a chance. You're not going to spend at every position, but maybe it'll, there'll be a move that makes sense to them before spring training is over. Do you expect a move to be done, or do you think at least based on where things are going, they're going to stick with the guys they have now in right field? Right now, I would say they, they'll stick with the guys, but you never know. You know, I, I still remember a few years ago, I think it was 16, right? Spring training started, and, and Dexter Fowler was all but locked up to Baltimore, right, on a three-year deal. And two days later, he was the surprise announcement at the Cubs camp, and the Cubs won the World Series that year. So what happens today on March, you know, what happens on just randomly on March 18th, maybe different on March 24th. You never know. I mean, of course, the worst case scenario is someone gets hurt, but the best case scenario is you find a deal that, you know, makes you better and doesn't mess with, doesn't, you know, hamper your overall payroll, which is around 180 million right now for the White Sox. Plus they always like to keep some room to make moves in the season. So again, you figure out, does adding a guy now make more sense or does it make better sense to, save and see what you can get, you know, later in the season, if that's what you need. Now, of course, the cost now, barring a trade would be money. The cost in season is going to be prospect capital. So, you know, you, you go from, with, with a system that whether you like the young players or not is currently ranked, you know, 28th or 29th in a lot of polls. You mentioned the payroll. This is one of the highest payrolls in recent memory for the White Sox. How surprised are you that they're spending all this money? It's the highest in franchise history. I mean, that's, that's why I disagree with, People who say, oh, they're not in this to win this. They're in it to, you know, win just at their, at their, you know, own level. Well, of course, you know, no business is like, we're going to be in this to win this and go way over what our spending limit is and hope we do it. You know, I, I think if you had a guarantee, you'd do that, but there's no guarantee it's going to happen, right? So yeah, they're going to spend wisely at this point. Um, I, I think I'm not surprised. You know, that was the whole point of the rebuild was to spend, to finish things off. And, you know, to their, to their credit, now it didn't work. But, you know, they did put a lot of effort into Zach Wheeler. You know, they offered him more money than anyone else, and he picked Philly. You know, I think that had something to do with that family decisions out there. They put a lot of effort into Manny Machado. He picked San Diego. They met with Bryce Harper, and I know impressed Bryce Harper with their presentation. He picked Philadelphia. So you, you can't win everyone. And I think Sox fans, you know, talking to a number of them, get a little frustrated on that front. But, you know, you go for what you can get. And, and they, I think, you know, Pitching depth is, I know, pitching depth is going to be a key this year. Although you talk to the pitchers and, you know, they don't paint as dire a picture as you would think on a late starting spring training and a shortened spring training by a couple of weeks. A lot of them, you know, I, and I think this isn't just the Sox, but a lot have been doing work on their own and are ready to go. So, you know, you ask Lance Lynn, and I think he wants to go, you know, 95 pitches, his opening start, probably against Detroit. But, you know, they're going to handle these guys carefully, obviously. The, the worst thing you do is, push too much and they get hurt and you lose instead of losing one start, you lose eight or nine starts. So I, I think having the pitching depth now, you don't want to, as Giolito joked the other day, you don't want to cut these guys saying, you know, Hey, give us four or five innings and you're good to go. But you do have that depth behind him now where you can really, you know, from the fifth inning on, you have quality relievers to go to every time. What's the rotation going to look like this year specifically? Well, I mean, they didn't put it over yet, but I had to guess it would be Giolito, Lynn, Cease, probably Keiko Kopech. And those are the five, not necessarily sure of the exact order, 
you know, Kopech is going to be watched carefully with his innings limit, you know, having pitched in the bullpen last year, going back to being a starter again. He seems very excited about that. He told us yesterday that he dealt with COVID at the end of February. So that slowed him down a little bit, but he feels better now. He said he's, you know, aside from a, a few sniffles, he's in good, he's in good shape. He's throwing a live VP soon. He's going to get off the mound in a game, you know, at some point before they break camp in Arizona on, on that. Uh, I think their last game is April 5th and they leave on April 6th. So, you know, that's where a guy like Velasquez comes into play where you can, you know, use him for greater innings too, and even spot start him if you need him. And there's going to be some double headers in there. So he's going to get some work in there too. So I think it's going to be very interesting. You know, I, it's, it's, it seems on paper, a very good rotation and you see how it plays out. Giolito would be in line to make his, uh, Third straight opening opening day start, if that's who they chose. Scott Barkin here on Sports Talk Chicago. Scott, how do you expect the Sox to build off last year losing in the playoffs like they did? Well, I mean, you know, I think they said they saw some words, as Tony LaRusso said in that loss. Their defense wasn't, wasn't perfect. As I said, they didn't hit for much power. Now, that may have been just the way Houston pitched them, too. You know, I mean, that you got you can't put all the blame on the Sox and not give credit to a team that, was it six games? I, I, it seems like it's so long ago now that lost to the Braves in the world series. That was a world series team. They lost to, you know, and they were, you know, defeated soundly. There was no, you know, Oh, if they have a break here or a break there, they win that game and they win in five. No, they, they got beat. You know, I mean, there's no question about it, but I think again, it's kind of like what you saw on the other side of town with the growth process, you know, the Cubs 2015, they got to the LCS and got beat, you know, got swept by the Mets. 2016, they won the World Series. So I think this is another step. It's interesting. You know, one of the best guys on the team to talk to, this is not sliding anyone else, is Tim Anderson. And Tim has kind of made it, I want to say matter of fact, and not as in he doesn't care, exactly the opposite. You know, this guy's his intense competitor, outgoing dude, has fun. But I think he's like, hey, guys, nothing's changed. You know, guys and girls, uh, guys and gals, I should say. Um, we want to win a World Series. I want to get better as a player every day. I want to be an MVP candidate. I want to be the best I can be. So I think he feels like no matter how many t- different ways you ask me this, this is what we're all about. We want to win a World Series. So I think what he's trying to say is it's no different than last spring. You know, we haven't changed our focus. We just need to be better. So I think, you know, better defense will help. And I think that's the biggest call for Sox fans to go out and get a guy like Conforto, who's a regular right fielder, whereas Andrew Vaughn basically took over in left field three games before the end of spring training last year. And Gavin Sheets kind of learned the position in the offseason you know, last off season and has kind of worked towards that in the future. So, but, you know, they also have DH open. So I suppose if they really wanted to, you know, they could add an outfielder who may not be of Conforto's level, Conforto's level, say that 10 times fast and mix him in at DH with the other choices too. You know, you have a Brayo, you have Grandal, Sheets, Vaughn, all these guys can, can work and they're Jimenez. So you can move guys around. You have Lear Garcia, you have Josh Harrison who can play a number of different positions. So there's options, you know, it's just a question of what, you feel like the spending level is and is the person you're going to spend on worth it to take you to that next level. How easy does that make things for Tony La Russa knowing you got options and you can move guys in different positions, especially DH, like you mentioned in Harrison's case too, you could play them in a number of different positions. Yeah. You see versatility makes a difference on these championship teams. You know, I mean, you, you have guys who can play all over the place and you make switches, you can move guys, you know, Josh Harrison, like you said, may start one game in second and may play third and right field before the game's over. So it gives Tony a lot of options. The same with the bullpen. You know, I mean, Liam Hendricks is your closer. Assuming Craig Kimbrell, you know, stays there, it's Craig Kimbrell and Graveman is the setup guys. Joe Kelly's right there. But if a couple of them need a day off, you can move everyone back and feel comfortable. Same with Crochet. Same with Aaron Bummer. Aaron Bummer is a great pitcher. You know, I mean, he's one of the more underrated lefties in the game, I think. So 
you can, you know, structure where you can move them back if Hendricks pitches three days in a row or something like that, someone else can close. So, I mean, again, options and versatility is a key to helping a team win, especially in a season where you're starting a little late because of the, the lockout. Do you expect Kimbrough to somehow recover from what happened last year? I expect him to be fine. I think that the bigger question, and this is, I've been asked this by a number of people, is will he be here on opening day or will they try to trade him? And I think the answer is yes to both, right? I think he could be here. It's a $16 million deal for this year. You know, whether or not he's a great closer, the guy's the actively, I've said this 10 times, not written it about five times. He's the active, active leader in saves in major league baseball. He has 372 Jensen has 350. So he would help any team that needs a closer. No question about it, but you know, what money would have to come along with that? If any, just, just being hypothetical. And what would you get back in return? Rickon is not about to take a guy who's a valuable commodity in the bullpen, who had a rough finish after being the best closer in the National League for half the year, had a rough finish in the Sox, which he admitted to. I mean, he didn't have to admit to. He's a stand-up guy. But, I mean, he did talk about, yeah, would it have been great if I gave him no runs last year? I didn't do that. That didn't happen. But you're not just going to give him away for whatever someone wants. You know I mean? So if I think if there's no trade that works out. And, again, I think it would be – it's not that Kimbrough can't pitch the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. This is the guy who's just pitched the ninth his entire career, pretty much, you know, as the 372 saves would indicate. So if you can't find a deal with him, then, you know, as Tony LaRusso said in quotes, he's glad to be stuck with him, you know, that you can use him late in the game. So I think he'll bounce back. I still, you know, I'm unsure whether he'll be there opening day, but again, I think it's going to have to be the right trade. And if it doesn't come along, then Craig Kimbrough is going to be a valuable part of that Sox bullpen. Based on what you saw last year, do you think part of his struggles had to do with not being the closer for one of the first times in his career. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's hard to analyze a guy who's done it for so long. I think it's his 13th year. And um, it, it, you know, I mean, it's hard to get inside his mind and he really hasn't said one way. I mean, I think knowing that role and knowing what he's going to be in, knowing that he's, you know, primarily going to be a setup guy that primarily he's going to be a guy that may even, you know, if it's bases loaded two outs in the fifth and the starter gets pulled and you need, you know, it's a key game and you need to get out of that inning. He may pitch the one out there and go into the six, you know? So I think he knows now that there's no, you know, it's, it's interesting because I remember last year and we haven't talked about this much, but last year when he came in, there was talk about Tony had talked to Liam Hendricks and him about a schedule. And we were thinking like, you know, is there going to be like certain days, one close to certain days yet, which made sense. Cause like I said, look at Kimbrell's numbers for the Cubs last year. They were inhuman. They're video game. Good. But Liam Hendricks is the closer. He's absolutely the closer of this team. And I think probably the adjustment on the fly, you know, not that he hasn't done this a million times before, you know, pitched in the late innings, but now that he knows exactly where he is, that probably will help a little bit, but I think he, he's just a good pitcher and just has to, you know, sometimes good pitchers get hit. So you just got to figure it out and get back in there. What's your expectation for the White Sox this year? I think they'll win the division. I, you know, for some reason I do think, uh, and I know it's probably a little early from what the projection, I think Detroit's going to be pretty good. If you look at Detroit last year, aside from a miserable start to the season, that was a pretty good team. You know, they, they played pretty well under AJ Hinch and they've added, you know, Javi Baez, they've added Eduardo Rodriguez. I'm not sure if they're going to make more additions. You know, they have some good young players that are on their way. Torkelson, you know, one guy jumps to mind. So I think the division overall is going to be a little more competitive. You know, Shane Bieber still taking the ball every fifth day for Cleveland. So that's a guy to anchor rotation. Um, Kansas City's young guys are getting better. You know, uh, uh, Witt, maybe uh, it's, it's Bobby Witt, right? I'm, I'm, no, Bobby Witt was his dad. Bobby same, Witt same Jr. Yeah, Bobby Witt Jr. <laughs> Losing my mind here. He may be up this year. So I think it's going to be more competitive. Stocks are still 
anywhere from like a seven to 10 game favorite. And then you don't know because there's so many guys, not as many as there were a week ago, but still so many guys out there on the market that you don't know who gets what I mean, beware of Toronto. I, I've, I've joked that I don't have a passport right now, so I better get one really soon because that may be a playoff opponent for the white Sox. That's going to be a, that was a, that might've been the best team in the American league going into the playoffs and they just didn't make it to the playoffs. So that's a team to really keep an eye on. Now they lost Robbie Ray, who was a Cy Young winner, who was the top of that rotation. But, you know, that's, that's a team to look at. So I th- think there's a number of teams you can look at in America. There's no one team in the American League right now that you say, oh, yeah, you go through that team, you know, to win. I think there's a number of teams. But I think the Sox, at the very least, are the favorite, a clear favorite to win the AL Central and make a playoff appearance for a third straight year. Let me ask you this. Are they closer today to a World Series than they were at this time last year? Yeah, I think so. Just because, I, I, you know, again, people would argue they need the right fielder. They need to finish that last piece. They need another left-handed bat. That could be the right fielder, which, again, you know, all adds up to A plus B equals Conforto. Um, but I think what they have is is really good. So I think they are. I think their bullpen is a little stronger. I think, you know, the, I know the guys they have have greater experience and not just greater experience, but greater experience at success and failure. And the failure is a big part of making it in this game, you know, so they understand dealing with injuries, you know, Eloy came back and crushed the ball in August. I think he had seven homers and 27 RBIs and then just didn't hit in September. So that's really his first really extended stretch of not great baseball for him, you know, not great results. He played hard, but just didn't get the results. So then that makes a difference. I think knowing how to get out of slumps, knowing how to win, knowing how to lose and bounce back. And I think, yeah, I think last year was an experience, but as Jasmine Grandal said, you know, the only thing he takes away from that is they lost. So they just got to be better against other teams. And, you know, in, in that given series when they, when they come, but I think, I don't think they've stood, they've stood pat. I think just everything together makes them a better candidate for, you know, going further in the playoffs this year. What to come with Scott Market in just a moment. Stay tuned. This is Chicago. Merkin still here on Sports Talk Chicago. Scott, a few more questions before we finish up. First off, how exciting was Michigan's win yesterday? You know, it's funny. I was transcribing and uh, doing, and I hope, I hope, you know, when we air this, they're still alive. That's 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 <laughs> the biggest thing. But uh, I was doing trans- transcribing for a story I did with Tim Anderson and writing a little bit, and I had the game on in for the first half, and the first 13 minutes were miserable. They cut the lead down and they, I left to go to the backfields to watch the workout. They were down 38, 33 at the time. So the key thing apparently is for me not to watch the game and that will make them more <laughs> successful. Cause I heard this second half was tremendous. They played great in the second half. Key for them is like a guy like Caleb Houston, who's a freshman. When he hits threes consistently, when they hit some outside shots, it opens up for Hunter Dickinson, who's a tough guy for any team, even a team with heights to, to stop. So, you know, it'd be great to see it. Tennessee's a really good team, Tennessee. I forgot who they even played in the first round, but they took them apart, whoever it was. So that's going to be a challenge. But I remember a few years ago, they, they were, I think, in the same situation. They were, well, they were the, I think they were a seven seed and beat a number two seed Louisville to get to the Sweet 16. So we'll see what happens. Juwan Howard, as a player and a coach, has some good success in the tournament. So hopefully he can extend that at least another two or three wins, if not five. That'd be, five would be the ideal goal. <clears throat> Excuse me. Scott, before we finish up today, last question. Why did you stop the young couple from kissing in the store? I saw that on Facebook. <laughs> I don't, I didn't stop. I was just, I, if I remember the story right, I was just trying to uh, 
they were blocking kind of the uh the pineapple i think i wanted to get to is pineapple okay. or strawberry so i just asked them to move they could have kissed over by the carrot <laughs> section that was fine by me i just didn't want to hit them with the cart hey i'm all for young love old love middle-aged love whatever love you want to find is is great but just you know i want when i shop i want to get in and get out and they were great they moved over and i don't remember if they kept kissing or not but they seemed to be they excuse that you know the excuse of we're in love sorry we can't help sorry we sorry we didn't see it works for me Scott, thank you so much for joining me. Best wishes, of course, in Arizona and for this White Sox season coming up. Really appreciate it. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Great talk there with Scott Merkin, and that'll do it for us today here on Sports Talk Chicago. Big thank you to Scott Merkin himself, Matt Dubio, WCKG, Jim DeTalbin, to Marlboro Entertainment, making this show a success. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook at John's Gluo. You can watch more of this show. Search up Sports Talk Chicago. Apple Podcasts. On up on YouTube, sportstalkchicago.com. Another great show comes with tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. Till then, stay safe. So long, everyone. No! No! Where are the turtles?